Ultimately, what church multiplication is, you know, in its very simplest form, is about creating access points to the gospel. Welcome to episode 22 of the Lead Forward podcast. This is Dave Funk. I hope today's episode encourages, equips, and helps you to lead forward. We do several different types of content on this podcast, but my favorite is always the interviews that I get to do with leaders. I have the privilege of having great conversations with fantastic leaders from all over the country who are doing amazing things. So today is an interview with one such leader. Paul Fraser is the Church Multiplication Coordinator for the PAOC. And what is that? Well, we get into that in the interview, but Paul and I met recently and I had to ask him on the podcast because of the great work he's doing all over the country to educate, empower, and encourage leaders in church planting and church multiplication efforts. So maybe you're a church planter or maybe you're a leader who's just hoping to multiply your ministry effectiveness. This conversation will hopefully help encourage you. So please enjoy my conversation with Paul Fraser. Welcome, everybody. I'm excited to have Paul Fraser on the podcast today. Paul is uh, the National Church Planning Coordinator for the PAOC. We're going to learn all about what that is and what he's doing. And so welcome, Paul, to the podcast. Hey, thanks so much. Awesome. Paul, why don't you just, for the people who don't know who you are, for the people who don't know what a church multiplication coordinator is, tell us a bit about yourself, how you got into that gig, and what is it? Well, you know, something I'm still trying to figure out. Yeah. Uh, Started uh, pastoring in a local church, been in ministry 20 years, uh, youth, young adults, bit of children's ministry, worked at a Christian school as a campus pastor. But the, right. the last 11 years, worked as a district officer at mm-hmm. the Alberta Northwest Territories District and uh, did church, multipl- uh, sorry, church ministries, mm-hmm. uh, mostly spending my time as a district youth director. Uh, but my last two years there... Uh, ended up being the church planting director and trying to figure out how can we advance church planting in our district. Right. We had a pretty robust vision to plant a hundred churches, uh, al- you know, almost doubling mm. in uh, 13 years. And so we, you know, we went after it pretty good. But from that, uh, as just God began to speak to my heart, I be, uh, you know, became Wondering, you know, what what what's next, and uh, found myself uh, talking with the national office about being a church multiplication coordinator, right? And trying to figure out, well, what does that look like? Yeah, yeah. Now this is all tied to. I mean, we've we've been in a multi-year kind of emphasis across Canada to plant churches a vision. You know that that has been. Um, you know, we've been working hard had some stalls, had some great success stories, which I'm sure you'll share a little about in the future. But, you know, they're trying to put their the, the resources into this position to help resource our nation, right? Yeah. So every district has uh, put money into this role. There's some fundraising I still need to do. Mm-hmm. But the idea behind it is they needed a national champion, somebody right. to come in and keep it in front of our districts, our churches, uh, our leaders, uh, we really do believe that we're better together. And so uh, this position was created to work with the districts. I, I don't come in and uh, direct anyone. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting that they use the word coordinator because really that's what I do. I coordinate between the districts. And as I'm discovering, as I go from district to district, we have eight districts yeah. right across Canada. 
and we work uh, closely with Newfoundland, uh, Pentecostal Assemblies of Newfoundland as well. Mm. And uh, and I've just realized that there are some things we're duplicating. Okay. You know, so some people are working hard on this and others are working hard on that, but it's the same thing. Right. And so just coordinating between the districts, each district has a point person mm. or more than one that uh, that's really focusing on church multiplication. So I'm just primarily there to help resource them, uh, try to stay up on uh, the latest stats, trends, keep them informed while they uh, work with the planters in the, in uh, the front lines. Mm. So it, I really do spend a lot of time coordinating, but I'm also, it's also a visionary role because right. of the 2020 initiative uh, to have 1500 disciple making communities by 2020. Right. And so my, my portfolio is focusing more on the multiplication side. Right. Now, before we get into more uh, specifics on what multiplication is and, and how it's going, you mentioned trends you're following. And uh, I think we all, whether we're following those trends or intuitively sense or just notice in our own communities, there's a lot of changes happening across Canada that are significantly impacting the church. What are some things that you are seeing that leaders need to pay attention to, especially as we think about church health and multiplication? Great question. One of the things we're celebrating, I, I believe, in 2019 is 100 years of PAOC. Mm. So as you look back 100 years ago and you see what kind of influence the church had in Canada compared to what the influence church has in Canada today, it has declined quite a bit. Right. And I think we, you know, unless you're hiding under a rock, you probably would know that, that we're moving towards, or some would say already in a very secular culture where, mm-hmm. where we don't have the same influence we used to have. We don't have the same uh, values. You know, I've read some stuff uh, talking about being exiled, even mm-hmm. in your own country, right. you know, where the, the Christian influence is not mainstream anymore. We're, we're on the fringe outside looking, outside looking in. Right. And so we have to pay attention to that. We have to think through how then are we going to reach that culture? And, uh, and you can't ignore it. We can't just say, well, we'll just keep plowing. We'll just keep doing what we've always mm-hmm. done. Because yeah. the reality, it, doesn't, it, it isn't working. Yeah. In fact, it's still declining. And so some of those things we have to pay attention to are, well, what are the needs of Canadian culture? And are we answering the questions they are asking? Mm. I, I don't always know if that is the case. And I, what I like about church multiplication and planting is that often planters start there. They, okay. they, they think about missiologically what is in our community, what are the needs of the community, what are some of the things that need to happen to meet the needs of the community, and, uh, and then go from there. And kind of think outward opposed to inward. Yeah. And I think that has been a bit of our downfall over these last hundred years is we've, we've become pretty enamored with what we're doing mm. uh, and not what we could be doing. I like what Erwin McManus says. He said uh, at an exponential conference, the church is walking backwards into the future, <laughs> more excited about what we've done than what we're about to do. Right. And uh, I think wow. we have to turn and face the future. And, uh, and, and with hopeful eyes, and yeah. this is a great opportunity. There's some really great stuff out there, yeah. how to reach post-Christian cultures. So this is a, this is an opportunity that's sitting in front of us. Yeah. 
Yeah. What would you say are some of those opportunities, like some of the specific shifts we've seen? Um, I know there's stats around church decline. I know there's stats around population growth. I know there's stats around just different different opinions and stuff. And we don't necessarily need to get into all that. But do you see some very specific things that you say, wow, this is a, an opportunity we have in our nation because of the changes that we just haven't tapped into? Yeah, I would say that uh, because it's a post-Christian culture, there's not a lot of baggage about church. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. People, yeah. people, uh, guys on my ball hockey team. Yeah. Uh, I say, Hey, do you know of, I said, do you have a parent or grandparent that went to church? Yeah. And they don't. It's crazy. So yeah. they're asking me questions like, is Easter, like, was Jesus born at Easter yeah. or <laughs> was, was, I'm so confused. And, and so there's not a lot of baggage that you mm-hmm. have to, you can actually present Jesus yeah. and present the gospel in a way that you don't have to actually untie a lot mm-hmm. of knots. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's an opportunity where we can just bring a fresh, exciting mm-hmm. uh, story, narrative to people without having to explain, well, yeah, the church is about this church, because they have no clue what is right. happening yeah. in our four walls. I think that's a cool opportunity. Um, I think that we've underestimated the hunger for spirituality Right. Um, I think I think there's actually a re- because it the pendulum has swung so far the other way. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. there are those that are asking questions about like there is there more to this life. What is my purpose? Mm-hmm. How does it all fit together? And and man, we've got the answers. We right. we've got the scriptures. We've got the best selling book of all time. Yeah, the greatest yeah. story ever told. So I think there's some cool opportunities uh, there, but uh, there's also obstacles that come with this as well, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, stuff like loyalty, mm-hmm. you know, convenience, mm-hmm. uh, consumerism. Mm-hmm. So there's some things we're battling as well, but I think there's more opportunities than obstacles for us if yeah. we're if we're ready to see what they are. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think, you know, you, what you have is, you know, from Erwin McManus's quote, you have a church that is in love with, with what they've done in the past. And so therefore ministry looks like it did 10, 15, 30 years ago, which did have some success in that context, sure. but contextualizing sure. to a contemporary, um, for lack of a better word, audience, um, to speak a language that makes sense to incarnate yep. in a way that, um, actually reveals truth to uh, a modern mind, a modern thinker, a modern experience. Um, and that's just, you know what, it, in the end, I don't think it's necessarily rocket science, but, you know, a little bit of coaching, a little bit of thoughtfulness, reading a few um, great books, and we can get in the right direction in, in, in all honesty. Like, I don't think it's super hard. We just have to make an effort. I, well said. Totally agree. And I think, I think you mentioned something that's really important is how we talk. Yeah how we communicate. Um, uh, I would like to, you know, we probably heard this and the podcast listeners have probably heard it over and over that the church is always known for what it's against mm-hmm. instead of what's it actually for. Right. What is Jesus actually for? And he's yeah. for families and he's, yeah. he's for refugees and he's for fan, uh, uh, you know, those who are broken and yeah. hurting, he's for, he's for, he's for, yeah. he's for, yeah. but all culture hears is what we're against. Yeah. 
And uh, I, I think I think you you nailed it there that we have to shift even how we communicate. Mm-hmm. Jesus did it all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He would shift his parables. He would shift his communication. He would be direct on sometimes and then he'd be indirect to just get yeah. people thinking and reflecting. And yeah. we have to understand the culture we're in and speak the language they're speaking. Yeah. You even see it modeled through um, the stories of the evangelistic journeys in the book of Acts. I mean, Paul goes right. to Athens and he he quotes philosophers and poets. He goes to Lystra and Derby, which are pagan cities, and he talks about natural theology. He goes to, I can't remember if it was Antioch, and he's in the synagogue reading the Old Testament. He understood that he needed to speak a different language to different people, and sometimes we're speaking Christianese to pagans, and it's just going right over their heads. It's the truth. It's the truth, but um, we've not understood understood them and loved them before trying to offer them the truth. So. Paul, why don't we just get into church multiplication in particular? Sure. Uh, why is it so important? Like, why do we have to multiply churches? Why can't we just stick with the churches we have um, or other ministries? Um, may- maybe even start with defining church multiplication, because we're not using the term church planting here. That's a different term probably for a reason. Can you can you tell us about that? Yeah, church planting, you know, is specific to what we believe generally believe to be self-governing churches. So these would be you know, a self-governing church plant. It's got its own, uh, you know, it's self-supporting, self-governing, right. self-propagating. Um, those are, you know, something that we're learning about uh, church planting, you know, kind of the three selves. And so when we think of church planting, that's where we're thinking. But multiplication is about uh, more than just the plants. There may be churches that have uh, multi-sites or mm. campuses or satellites. There's different words and terms that they use for each. Uh, there would be missional initiatives that uh, we would recognize uh, as expressions of the gospel. Um, we use the term disciple-making communities. That's what essentially that 1500 is, 1500 disciple-making communities. And they don't always have to look like a typical church with the liturgy, the worship. The, it could look right. very different. And right. so um, you know, so there's some of the things that maybe we broaden the definition, uh, you know, from church planning to church multiplication. I ultimately what church multiplication is, you know, in its very simplest form, is about creating access points to the gospel. Mm. We want to create more and more access points to the gospel. We have to pay attention to the convenience culture we have. That people don't people rarely, I won't say don't, but rarely do something that's inconvenient. Right. And so as we create more opportunities, we get, you know, involved in uh, doing multi-sites or missional initiatives. We go to places that maybe don't have the gospel. We create these access points for people to engage with the story of Christ. Mm. And and ultimately, that's what we want to do. And so we broaden the definition from church planning to church multiplication um, to really incorporate the wide river that the PAUC is. Right. That it's not just one specific thing, that there's this wide river, this wide expression, you know, 1,180 uh, disciple-making communities across Canada. Not everyone has to be the same, right. which I actually really value. Yeah, yeah. And so church multiplication is going to look different, uh, you know, in an urban setting, in a rural setting, it's going to look different. In a suburban setting, it's going to look different uh, with cultural language groups. It's going to 
we want to pay attention to the the diversity and encourage it. Yeah. And so that's why we broadened that definition out. Right, right, right. What kind of diverse expressions are we seeing? Like uh, I, I can think of my friend Jeremy Postal, who uh, right. he's he's on ski hills, you know, snowboarding and and setting up disciple making community communities like at Whistler and and other places. I think that's awesome. But yeah, it's not like a self governing church with a bunch of snowboarders who are on the board and you know all this kind of stuff. Right. And, and so, are we seeing some other cool stuff like that? Oh yeah, it's it's great, and you know. Grateful for Mission Canada mm-hmm. uh, that sends missionaries to the gaps yeah. in Canada. Yeah. And uh, Jeremy, you know, has, has been a Mission Canada worker and, and is doing a great job. But there's others that do similar things, yeah. working on university campuses mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, paying attention to urban centers and the poor or the arts community mm-hmm. or different things. So there's lots of really cool expressions yeah. of the gospel that are happening um, but as it relates more to kind of the typical church thing, we're seeing rural planting, um, okay. where you just haven't seen a lot of that. Yeah. Where typically planting has been, you know, in the cities or the mm-hmm. urban centers, uh, maybe even bigger uh, towns. But yeah. we're starting to see some really cool uh, rural planting stories, specifically in the Maritimes. Okay, uh, that the group out there is doing really, really good and and paying attention to their rural settings. And so I had an opportunity in February to sit down and chat with some of them and hear their stories. And, hey, not easy. Mm-hmm. Totally different approach. You know, right. the, the kind of start big, stay big, grow big right. model isn't going to work right. there. And yeah. so it's really incarnational. It's really missional. It's yeah. really focused on uh, making sure that it's, it's it's relationship first, mm-hmm. not uh, program first, or yeah. not. Yeah, there's still elements of being excellent. Yeah, but yeah. it's really cool. Saskatchewan's doing the same thing. Yeah, uh, Manitoba's <laughs> developing a um, a strategy to reach the rural community. So that's kind of cool. Uh, we're seeing some some really healthy church plants. The last uh, in 2017, uh, seen some really cool partnerships with some of our church planting networks mm-hmm. and uh, specifically ARC. We had some church plants start here in Alberta, one in Edmonton, one in Calgary, both doing well. Another one uh, happened out in Halifax and they're, they're growing and people are getting saved and they're becoming big wins. And, and what I tell everyone as I travel across Canada, a win in the Maritimes is a win for Canada. Right. A win in BC. Yeah. Uh, I've been chatting with some of your planters, uh, and uh, churches that are looking at multi-siting. Mm-hmm. It's a win for Canada. We're all in this together. There's there's no competition here. Mm-hmm. We're we're actually all in it together. Yeah. So it's it's been uh it's it's expanding my headspace. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. This is it, it to get every story. To be honest with you, it's a hard it's hard to actually gather all the stories. Right. Canada is so huge, <laughs> but there are great things happening. And I want people to hear that. Yeah. yeah. I want people to hear on this podcast and, and, and over and over again, that there are really great things happening. Quebec. I mean, I could go on and on. Quebec is seeing a resurgence of new plants. Uh, mm. our, our Pentecostal group out there is just working really hard mm-hmm. at reaching one of the darkest places in the western hemisphere yeah. for the gospel yeah 
And uh, you just couldn't be more proud of what they're doing out there. So there are great things. And that's part of why I'm doing this role is I need to be telling the stories. Right. Right. Is there some, is there maybe one or two stories in particular you can give us a couple more details on that just kind of will encourage uh, current leaders, current planters to, to help us know specifically what's, I mean, you named a few different locations. Maybe there's, there's one story in particular that's grabbed your heart a little bit. Yeah, one story in particular. It's gra- yeah, great question. That's grabbed my heart. Um, Stephanie and Mario Bersado. Okay, uh, they're out in um, Nova Scotia, and they both work bivocationally. Okay, so they're they're both doing uh, work outside of the church, and they've just started. They actually just started with themselves, two people. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and have just been working hard at developing relationship. And some of the cool things that are happening are the people they're attracting. Mm-hmm. Not the typical uh, regular, you know, Canadian church people. It's kind of people on the margins. You know, some people that that may not, uh, you know, may not connect with with a you know a traditional attractional Canadian church, but are finding their way there on a Sunday because they work really hard at developing this missional community. Mm. And, and it, is it church? Does it look like church? Yeah, kind of does, but it actually looks more like a family. Mm. And I think that is so cool for this small community out there and for them to be working by vocational to be spending time just pouring into people's lives individually, pastorally, caring for them. Yeah. Um, is it tough? Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tough stuff. Church planting's not for the faint of heart. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but to hear their story and to see it be a slow grow, mm-hmm. but, but grow in the right direction. And I just love their willingness to accept anybody. Yeah. Like they just really accept anyone. It just feels like, oh man, that is what Jesus is about. He's yeah. doing that stuff. Um, I, I, I brag about the church I'm at, Discovery Church. We started in September, you know, an ARC model church. Okay. Um, and, you know, started with the kind of 400 on the first Sunday. Right. And then, you know, it drops to like less than half. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and to see uh, our pastor and his wife take the risk to quit both their jobs with no income for months. Wow. And to go and plant this church and to see over 30 people saved. Like cards, yeah. written, signed, follow-up, 30 people since September um, you know, I sit and get a chance to go when I'm in town to the church and just meet people who had just recently given their lives to Jesus and just go, I, I can't wait to be here at 7am yeah. on Sunday morning to set up. This nice. is what a, they're saying, what a privilege, yeah. what an honor. Yeah. And you go, what happens if discovery church never happened? Right. Right. What happens if, uh, you know, Stephanie and Mary Bursado just decide, ah, right. we're just going to keep working. Right. 
it's it's the call of God in their lives that they're just so passionate about seeing people mm-hmm. come to Jesus. These are the stories that keep me excited. And there's way more, more than we have time for. Mm-hmm. And as I continue to gather them, I continue to get inspired. Now, is and that, to, sorry, Paul, is, is that one of the values of church planting in that, like, and I've, I've just heard this from a couple different sources, that church plants tend to be better at attracting people who uh, aren't Christians um, and they just have a higher rate of, of salvations just by nature of kind of the culture of what it means to be a church plant. Is that true? And, and why do you think that is? I think, pe- yeah, I think people have this common, you know, understanding that church planting uh, has been the most effective way to reach people far from God for the last, you know, 15, 20 years, let's say. Right. And we see stats that reflect that, where an existing church, the same size, reaches X amount of people. Right. A church plant, same size, same number of people, similar, you know, in, in many ways, would reach more people for Jesus. Mm. So, yeah, I would say that church planting is being effective in reaching people far from God, for sure. Uh, why it is? I, I, I wonder about that. Um, I think sometimes you get so used to doing something. Mm-hmm. Um Maybe you don't, you know, you're not able to try new things where I think right. a church planter may be more flexible. Right. Um, well, I remember talking to a church planter in Victoria years ago and he was just starting out and he was saying like, you know, like established churches, um, you know, they have a lot, they have a lot to lose. And, you know, you try something new, you, you try to get creative and, and whatever it is. And, and at the same time, you also can be apathetic because you kind of, you've got your budget, everything's, everything's fine. He says, for me, if I don't work hard to reach people, we shut down, like yeah. it's over. And so yeah. like, we have to, we have to build our church and I'm not trying to steal from other churches. We, we got to go in the community of five people who aren't serving the Lord. And right. so there's just that sense of urgency and mission um, even just to survive, survive, I think, right? Oh, totally. And I think, you know, this idea of being flexible, being able to experiment and, and for people, uh, to say, uh, well, we've never done it that way before. Yeah. Well, you can't say that in a church plant because everything is kind of being done for the first time. Yeah. But what we are seeing, you know, is church plants right around that three to four year mark Mm -hmm. where they've where they've reached more people for Jesus, mm-hmm. get to that three and four year mark, and that number begins to dip and mm-hmm. begin to look like an existing church that's maybe plateaued. Mm-hmm. So it's there. It's church plants aren't uh, immune yeah. to losing its evangelical or evangelistic uh, impulse. Mm-hmm. You can get into the regular routine and all of a sudden start to start to maybe lose focus, you know, having to build structures, churches growing, budgets are, you got staff now and da, 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 da. Right. Uh, I think it's a real discipline to stay focused on the community. Right. Um, and I think early on for church planting, that's what you do. Yeah. That's what you do. You yeah. just go, what do we do for our community? What do we do for our community? What are we doing for our community? And so, you know, some of the churches, Sorry, some of the churches that um, are really focused on the community have shorter services. Mm. Um, use language that guests would understand, people new to church would understand, mm. would explain what's happening at the beginning of the service, mm. the worship, 
all these different things. Mm-hmm. So I think there's an awareness mm-hmm. to community uh, people and families in your audience when you're church plant right. and even your messages, all those things. Yeah. So yeah, it, you're right. I think that there's a commonly held belief and I think stats back it up that church plants are effective for reaching people far from God. Right. So, I mean, we've talked about the fact that there's a lot of really unique approaches out there, but that doesn't mean there aren't best practices that you're trying to help implement and strategy you're trying to, to get out there that would help church multiplication be as successful as possible. So what kind of, what kind of strategy are you, are you developing? Um, maybe speak to, um, two groups of people here. Like maybe there's someone who's interested in church planting and maybe there are established healthy churches that are ready to multiply. Um, what kind of direction would you give to those two groups? Yeah. So, you know, getting back to our 2020 initiative, it's a, it's a focus on multiplication, but also on revitalization. There's a, there is a sense that, um, you know, that this vision of 1500 disciple making communities speaks to both the multiplication and the health of the existing churches. Mm. Um, I think some best practices look like healthy leaders will lead healthy churches. Mm. And so I, I know that your district and other districts are really focusing on getting the leaders healthy, getting them thinking clearly through things. And then once the churches are healthy, uh, you know, there's a sense that healthy things grow. Yeah. And so healthy churches should be reproducing more healthy churches. And, uh, so, you know, we see working on health, working on some fundamentals uh, in our systems, they do, they do produce some behaviors. And if we want them to produce the right behaviors, then we have to look at those systems and add health to them. So I'm very thankful for the revitalization focus mm-hmm. that's happening. So there'll be some existing churches out there listening to the podcast today going, what do I do? We're not ready to multiply Right. So you need to be focusing on health, getting right. you healthy, getting your leaders healthy, getting your church healthy, because healthy things grow. Right. And uh, as they grow, they will begin to multiply. Right. Um, there would be those that are out there, you know, as you mentioned, that may be ready to uh, to plant right away. There's some things that you can start to do there. Um I would start praying. <laughs> I know we would, I know that it feels like it's, it's like you just, well, of course, Paul, yeah, yeah. of course. But I really think that we sp- need to be spending more time praying about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just reading some stuff this week, reminding me that while strategies and practical things and guest experience and parking and all these yeah. things are very important. The church is a spiritual kingdom. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there has to be uh, a sense of that, that this has to be built by God. Mm -hmm. It has to be inspired by God. And even our best plans will not produce the fruit that that we want. It's going to be, we can, yes, we can plant and and we can water, but God makes it grow. And so, you know, so what existing churches need to be praying for health and growing and moving towards that. I feel like a, I feel like a fully revitalized church will multiply. Mm-hmm. But those that are ready right on the spot, okay, start praying about it. Yeah. Have you put this to a season of prayer? Right. And then don't be afraid to create a ramp. We're impatient with these things. Mm. 
create a plan, create a strategy, ask God, where are we going to go? Mm-hmm. What are we going to do? Mm-hmm. What's it going to look like? Because um, there are, I feel like there's a new model for multiplication coming up every week. Right. I can't keep up. Yeah. I can't, I honestly can't keep up. So, you, you know, you know Paul, sorry, just like in, in regards to your point on prayer, like there was a really cool story that, that happened at, at, a, at a, my church last year where uh, it was two summers ago now. We did a preaching series. There was really a preaching series about mission and how, and how like the way we do mission, the way we do evangelism is, is more than just going out in the street right. and telling people about Jesus. But like part of it is verbally telling people, part of it is our good works. Part of it is our generosity. There's just all these facets to mission and obviously prayer. And, and I preached this message um, where, you know, the, the, the passage where Jesus says, you know, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send out more workers. And that's actually right. Jesus's first instruction to us when it comes to mission, that we don't start by going out and working. We start by praying that the Lord would send out workers. And then of course, the next chapter, he sends out the disciples. But so anyways, we, we, I appreciate that passage. And we were in our series, we kind of had like a weekly challenge, right? And so right. the challenge was every day this week, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. So anyways, like eight or nine months later, I get a call and it's this woman, her and her husband were visiting Penticton that week and they came to our church that Sunday and they had started to kind of feel this burden in their heart. God was starting to speak to them. They came to that service. Um, God confirmed in them during that service a call to missions. Wow. So over the, the next nine months before I heard from them, they um, had kind of confirmed that. They had made a plan. They had a location. So they called me and said, hey, this is what happened. And we're going to come visit your, you again in the summer. And we'd love to like let your church know. And so I was able to pull them up on stage and say, hey, you remember last year when we prayed that God would send more workers into the harvest? And I just kind of like put my hands up and pointed at them vigorously. Amazing. Right? And I was like, this is what happens when we pray. Um, Amazing. And so it's just like... They, by God's providence, they were there. They got inspired. You know, God used the message and our challenge and our prayers and, and he sent them off. And, uh, so yeah, your, your point about starting with prayer is biblical and it works. (laughs) And, And also too, you know, just adding to it, if you can get churches praying about it and I, I say to some pastors, ask God. Yeah. See if he wants you to grow your church and multiply it. Yeah. What do you think he's going to say? <laughs> yeah. Of course, God's going to say yes. Yeah. I think the thing that we need to spend time about in prayer, so obviously praying for that, mm-hmm. it's timing, mm-hmm. the timing of it. Um, I think that's really important to really catch God's heart on, does he want us to multiply and plant? Yes, of course. Yeah. That's part of it. But what's the timing? Right. And we want to be we want to be working with God's timing. So I love that story because God answers prayer mm-hmm. and he's really passionate about reaching people yeah. that, that are far from him. Yeah. And he's and he's he's ready to raise up leaders. And so we really need to be praying into that as local churches, but as districts and regional uh, spaces, but also nationally praying together towards us. And that's one of the things. I want to start doing is trying to raise up a prayer network for church mm-hmm. multiplication That's right good. across Canada. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the point is like, you know, you, you might not be a person who is called to plant. You might not be a church that is right. ready to multiply, but everybody can join in Jesus's command to pray for the Lord of the harvest and send it more workers, right? Come on. There's, come on. That's, no that's it. There. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Totally. 
Yeah. So, so prayer, um, you talked about building an on-ramp, which is kind of like your own personal strategy of what multiplication would look like in your context. What, what else would you, would you say? I would do some work on the community. Uh, just figure out who's in your community. Mm-hmm. What are the demographics? You can find stuff, uh, you know, through the government of Canada on some, some yeah. stats there. Well, I think city that's, websites will have that too. And then city yeah. websites and, you know, track down who's in your community. Yeah. If it's a, if it's a community filled with young families, then, you know, to make sure that your children's ministry is just ready to receive yeah. the families. If it's uh, very diverse uh, ethnicities, mm-hmm. then just pay attention to that mm-hmm. uh, in your services. And I think there's some work that you can do there. Um, there's some excellent resources now. I mean, 20 years ago, you'd have you'd have a harder time finding church planting stuff. Right. But now there's podcasts, training, courses. Yeah. Um, places you can go. Uh, there's uh, seminars and conferences on how to be a multi-site, how to be a satellite, how to be a campus, how to be a mm. self-governing church, how to do missional communities. Right. There's so much stuff out there. So I, I'm thankful that the resources are there Yeah, that maybe weren't there uh, some time ago. Because the question I get back from pastors and leaders, they just, they, they like, they understand the why for church multiplication. Right. They understand what it is mostly. The big question they run into is how do we do it? Yeah. How do we actually make it happen? And so that's one of the things that I work with our districts and will continue to work with them on is creating pathways mm. that, that work mm. and make sense. Right. Um, because if we can answer the how question, I think there'd be a lot more people jumping on it earlier. Right. Right. Awesome. So we've got prayer strategy, kind of researching your community and researching um, church planting uh, literature and resources and stuff like that. Are there a couple resources specifically you'd recommend and we can throw them just on, on the, the show notes on the website? Yeah. Um, lovenewchurches.com. Okay. Uh, lots of great blogs, resources. You can take courses. Um, we work with our partner networks, c to c I know mm-hmm. they're quite involved in BC. Right. Um, ARC. Uh, they have great resources. There's places in the States like Church Multiplication Network, which would be the AG arm. Okay. There's actually a really cool website they have. It's called IWantToPlantAChurch.com. And it's simple. basic, very simple, <laughs> easy to remember. And it, and it literally takes you through every single step. Now, that's their process. Right. But – at some point, I would love to have that in Canada where it's yeah. like, I want to plant a church.ca. Yeah. <laughs> and just like, you know, fill out an application, fill right. out your name, fill out da 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 da. You know, and it's like, talk to your district. Then yeah. they just literally right. list every single thing for you. Yeah. Uh, they really answer the how well. So the Church Multiplication Network, uh, I sign up for their updates. And maybe the last one is that I've been reading a lot. They've really helped with multi-site. So if you're a pastor out there that's interested in multi-siting, want the latest statistics. Mm -hmm. Now, mostly American, but there would be some uh, stuff that I think would transfer across, is the Leadership Network. And uh, Dr. Warren Bird is kind of hitting that up. Yeah. uh, Been really using their stuff for uh, for the multi-site stuff. Excellent. They're kind of like, as I've been chatting with different people, 
they're the ones that I keep getting pointed back to if you're interested in multi-site satellites, right. campuses, some very interesting things uh, that they're coming up in their research. So very helpful stuff. But like I said, there's way more out there. Acts 29 has some great right. resources and videos. Awesome. We'll, we'll, we'll throw all those links on the show notes yeah. so people can start yeah, following yeah, yeah. that stuff if they can't remember after listening. But um, the other thing, you know, I have, I've never planted a church. I, I guess I, I planted a student ministry on a, a university campus. It was a little bit of a different process. But, but from the side of being a pastor, um, like I've had, I've had good experiences and bad experiences with church planters who come to my community. And so okay. I'd, I'd, even, I'd even just, you know, give an encouragement to do your very best to create great relationships with right. the pastors in the community in which you're going, honor right. what's been happening. You know, I, I remember getting an email from a church planter who hadn't shown up in the community yet. Penticton is in desperate need of gospel-centered churches. And I'm thinking, this would, wow. be, a great, this would be a great letter for like a donor, but not don't send it to a church because you're, just, you're yeah. just burning bridges. But I've also had great experiences where they come in, they're so thankful for what you're doing and want to learn and, and then, you know, say, I'm not trying to multiply, but, you know, reach, reach different people and partner. And, and that's also been very positive. So, um, yeah, I'd encourage that, that step in the process as well. Yeah. Well, church planters, by their nature, the pioneering entrepreneurial mm-hmm. church plants, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily multi-sites would have the same, but that can still create friction in right. maybe bigger centers where it's like, hey, why are you multi-siting right across? I agree. Yeah. Communication is very important. Mm-hmm. I think churches, to be honest with you, cities, pastors, leaders need to be working together on a strategy to reach their city rather than individually, even cross-denominationally. Right. Uh, work together and go, Hey, we're thinking about going here. Oh, if you're going there, then we'll go here. Like, I think there would be some communication there, but the entrepreneurial pioneering planters, they are disruptors by nature. It's true. It's true. And so, uh, I was just at this, uh, uh, boot camp for national leaders with, uh, Ed Stetzer. And he was talking about this exact thing that planters by nature are disruptors. And regional and district leaders and national leaders need to come alongside and help smooth over (laughs) the rub, the friction that happens because they don't always understand. They're passionate about reaching the community Mm -hmm. and and in the meantime forget that they have to work with the existing churches Mm -hmm. there Mm -hmm. and to build good relationships. I think that's a key thing. Um, I think it would eliminate if if, uh, planters and leaders work together – um, well, let me start with the, on the side of the planters. I agree. I think planters need to be working with the existing churches, building good relationships. Right. But on the other side, I think the existing churches have to be less territorial. Totally. And understand that that right now, there's the largest majority of the people in the community yeah. are not going to any church yeah. Yeah. in Canada. So we have to, it, it's too pro, it's mm-hmm. too prompt. Mm-hmm. The existing churches need to be open. Mm-hmm. And understanding, understanding there's that entrepreneurial rub, mm-hmm. that friction. Mm-hmm. And then the pioneering planters need to understand, hey, let's work with the existing because we actually are better together. Yeah, absolutely. We actually are better together. So, yeah. yeah, that's a great thought. But I'm seeing that right across the nation. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. awesome, Paul. And I think, you know, big idea. I think every church has a role to play a way to encourage, a way to pray, oh. a way to participate, a way to get involved in, in trying to see, obviously, big picture, God's kingdom expand and his influence expand in every community. 
um, whatever that looks like for your individual church. I think God will, God will help you figure that out. The ultimate goal is to see people know Jesus. Yeah. And if you are an existing church that needs to be revitalized, yeah. then that's the way that it's going to see it happen. Yeah. If you're yeah. a, a multiplying church or you're an entrepreneurial planter, whatever your part, we're all playing mm-hmm. the same. We're all going for the same goal. Mm-hmm. We're just maybe taking different pathways to see Canada reached. And that's why I wake up most mornings yeah. excited about my job is that maybe in some little way we can advance the vision so that churches can be more effective. Yeah. All churches, all leaders, all Christians can be more effective mm-hmm. to reaching people far from God. That's it. Amen. That's why we exist. Right on. Come on. That seems like a great place to close our conversation, Paul, although I'm sure we could talk a lot longer, but um, I'm sure you want to hear from people. You want to hear from church planters. You want to hear from yes. leaders and stuff. How can they get in touch with you uh, and get more information? So we're launching uh, something at General Conference this year called the Multiply Network. You're going to hear more about that uh, as we as we get closer. Uh, but it's going to kind of be our platform to tell stories, to right. gather stories. Uh, social media is going to play a big role. So if you're interested, follow us at, at P-A-O-C Multiply, okay. both on Instagram and Twitter. Okay. We also have a Facebook group called P-A-O-C Multiply Network. And so you can kind of join that and we'll, uh, you know, we'll add you to the group. Right. Um, and then email paul.fraser at paoc.org. Awesome. And lots of ways to connect. Those are probably the best ways um, yeah. to do that. But I would stay up on the social media. We're not where we want to be right. yet, uh, pumping stuff out. Uh, but by general conference, hopefully we'll uh, hit our rhythm. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. That's that's so great to hear. And I'll, I'll put all those links uh, on leadforward.ca so people can can connect with that and get in touch with you but thanks so much for your time Paul we really appreciate it it's encouraging to hear what's going on and knowing that there's a champion leading the way is is awesome Dave really appreciate it thanks so much yeah no problem you've been listening to the Lead Forward podcast thank you so much for tuning in today as always you can find more leadership resources at leadforward.ca I hope you'll join us next time Thank you.